0: Pastor Chris's podcast. A while back, I asked my Facebook friends to post some things that you can't say in church. And here are some of their ideas. Some of them were kind of funny. Some of them were a little bit poignant. Somebody said, you can't say in church that I don't like barbecue. And I guess that's true. Uh, You certainly can't say you don't like fried chicken. That could really get you in trouble in a Methodist church. Another person said, you can't say Christians annoy me. Hmm, that's something to think about. Apparently, uh, that guy's got a problem with Christians. Um, Another person, well, actually, it was several people wrote things along this line. They say, you know, you can't say in church, I'm not okay, or I need help. Or I'm fighting depression. You can't say I'm feeling lonely or I feel alone. I'm not saying that you can't say those kinds of things, but I understand what they're where they're coming from. Maybe in our church culture, in some churches, we have gotten to a place where there are people that feel like you have to put on airs. Like everything is just perfect if you're going to church. I don't agree with that, but I understand why people sometimes think that. There's some things you can't say in church might get you in trouble. Jesus said some things in church that almost got him thrown off of a cliff one time. Let's listen to what he said. It comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. <clears throat> then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. They taught regularly in their synagogues, and he was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to give good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. He began to speak then. The scriptures you've read, the scriptures you've just heard, have been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Is this, is it this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb. Physician, hear yourself. Meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious jumping up they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of a hill on which the town was built they intended to push push him over the cliff but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way so this story comes from the beginning of Jesus ministry he had just been in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil as he fasted for 40 days and nights and then he came out and he began his ministry and it tells us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was doing amazing things and people were seeing how the power of the Lord was upon him. He was doing miracles and his teaching. He would go to synagogues, which were were, were basically their churches. This is where Jews went to church. He would go into the synagogues, to the churches, and he would preach and he would teach and people would hear his words and they were amazed by the power of his teaching and the wisdom of his teaching. And he was touching people's hearts. But then he goes on down to the church in Nazareth. And this was his hometown. It says it was his hometown church. This is where he grew up. And you know, everybody would have, would have been proud to see their hometown boy, just like we are today in the church. If uh, somebody that we've seen since they were knee high to a grasshopper, And they, uh, we've seen them going to Sunday school and we've seen them, I don't know if they had children's moments like we do in our church, but you know, see the kids coming down for children's moment. You see them when they're little and then they come back and they're all grown up and you're amazed because they're big and they're tall and they're smart and they're not a boy anymore. He's a man. And they were proud of their boy coming back to Nazareth to preach. And here was Jesus' message we see. He picks out this or he's handed the scroll from uh, the book of Isaiah. And he reads that passage where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And that sounds great. That sounds good. And at first, everyone seems so pleased and proud of their hometown boy. They're amazed that he's all grown up. He's done so well for himself. But then he just keeps on going in his message and he has the mess, sort of messes things up. What was it that he said that messed things up and made people so mad? Well, in essence, Jesus said that he couldn't do any miracles in his own hometown. Why was that? Well, I think it's because his hometown church was just too proud. He was able to do miracles all throughout the region, even among foreigners and outcasts that the good church people of Nazareth looked down upon. But he wouldn't be able to do any miracles for the church people in Nazareth because they were too proud. Seems like they might have thought that they were better than everyone else. They don't even realize that their pride is the very thing that makes them broken. The very fact that they look at Jesus and they think, well, there's our boy. We're so proud of him. There's nothing wrong with being proud of someone, but here they thought it was something about their goodness that had made him who he was and that, you know, it's just hard to hear your boy, the one that you've been in charge of, it's hard to accept that person that they might have a critique of you. It's a common problem in many churches, even today, this problem of pride. You see, a lot of people think that you can't say, I am broken in church. I'm not saying that that's, that's true. Certainly you ought to be able to say that in church, and in many churches you are welcome to say that, But I don't know what happened and how it happened, but somewhere along the way, a lot of people going to church started thinking you have to pretend like you have everything all figured out and you've got it all together. Now, I'm not saying this is right or that it's the way you ought to act, but a lot of people in church do. People started worrying about what other people in the pews might think about them. Some people wanted others to think that they were good people who had it all figured out. who was doing life right. And others felt like the worst thing in the world that could happen would be for others to find out their dark secrets. Nobody wanted others to realize that they were struggling. Struggling with sin or struggling with loneliness or struggling with depression or financial problems people started covering up their doubts and struggles and less attractive personality flaws. Instead, a lot of people going to church would would plaster on a big, bright church smile that hides the brokenness that is underneath. And so it has come to a place where a lot of people think you can't say, I'm broken in church. But really... We should, we must say, I'm broken. It is actually essential. It is the only way that we have any hope of Jesus fixing our brokenness. You see, what what was it that Jesus said? What was the prophecy that he fulfilled from Isaiah? Jesus came to bring good news to the poor, to release captives, to make the blind see. And to set the oppressed free. And so, if you go into church, and if you are not poor, or a captive, or blind, or oppressed, or you can go on and add to the list, you can say if you're not broken or struggling in some way, then how in the world can Jesus help you? Because that's who He came, to, to, to serve and to help. If you are already fine, then Jesus can't do anything for you. If you ain't broke, he can't fix you. But the truth is, none of us are fine and all of us are broken. But we have to let go of our pride and we have to admit it. We have to take off our mask and admit to Jesus and to each other that we struggle, that we feel lonely, that we are fighting addiction or we are poor or struggling with finances or or even just say openly and honestly i struggle with pride i'm a good person and i look around at some other people and i and at times i think i've got things figured out i'm better off than they are and that very thought is something i need jesus to help me with cuz i'm broken In that way, with pride. King David is famous as a hero of the Bible. Hero of faith. David is famous for defeating the giant Goliath with only a sling and a stone. When David was only a a boy. And David is known as a man after God's own heart. And he's known as the greatest king of Israel. Jesus came from the line of David. That's pretty impressive. But not even David was perfect. In fact, there's a lot of brokenness that we see in David's life. In fact, one time he even got another man's wife pregnant. And then he had that man killed to try to cover it up. Now, how would you like to admit that? In church, but that's exactly what Jesus, what uh, David had to do. David realized that he was broken, and he earnestly repented, and because of that, God forgave him and restored him. Here's what David prayed. It's a prayer that is so true; God has preserved it for thousands of years for us, right down to today. It's preserved in His Holy Bible in Psalm. Chapter 51, David's prayer of repentance. And in the 17th verse, here's what it says. It says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. God will not reject us if we let down our guard and we admit we are broken. In fact, that is exactly what he requires of us. To come to him with a broken and repentant heart. We must come to a place where we are more concerned with what God thinks and stop worrying about what anyone else thinks. We just need to be vulnerable and honest and authentic. And you know, here's the amazing thing when we stop worrying so much about what people think and just learn to be authentic, the people who really matter will love us even more. When we admit our brokenness and are just honest about who we are, our relationships are so much deeper and more meaningful. And anyone who doesn't accept us or love us when they find out Not saying they accept the sin, but they still accept us. They still love us. Anybody who doesn't accept and love us, when they find out whatever it is we're so ashamed about, because we're broken, anybody that doesn't accept and love us, you know what? They probably didn't accept and love us to begin with. You really find out who really loves you when you're open. And that's what you need. You need to know who really loves you, who really cares about you, who really wants the best for you. And all those other people, we don't really need them anyway. We can be polite to them, but we don't need them. And here's the amazing thing. When you do that, your relationships become authentic. Your love becomes authentic and everything grows deeper and stronger, and better. And God, through Jesus Christ, brings healing. So don't ever be afraid to say, I'm broken in church. My church, Pleasant Grove, where I, I lead worship, is a place where we all realize, and we freely admit, we are all broken, and Jesus is helping us put the pieces back together. I hope that you will find a church where you can be sure that everyone can say we're broken. You know what? I, I just believe that most churches are capable of that. Maybe you're in a church where you feel like you can't say that, but maybe you just need to be the one. Maybe they're just waiting for one person to be brave enough, to be authentic enough, to open up and to be honest. And that could bring a tremendous revival that brings everyone closer. That's what Jesus wants. So be ready, be willing to take off your mask before God and also with his people so that we can start being the true church that Jesus Christ wants us to be.